Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible is open up to Acts, the fourth chapter. Acts chapter 4, we're going to read right there at the end of that chapter, and then we're going to make our way right into chapter 5. And we're just going to stay right here in this section of the book of Acts and work together in the text for these next few minutes this morning. During the early days of the first church, there were some difficulties and some challenges that the first century Christians had to face and had to endure. There were some cultural shifts that were taking place. There were some changes in that world that were occurring. And there were some economic hardships that had to be weathered. And as a result, the church found itself in a situation where some of their own people were impoverished and even lacking in basic necessities. The answer to that problem is that the early Christians took care of each other. And they provided those needs for one another. And we get a beautiful portrait of that in Acts the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 32. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 32, there the text says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them. And they brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. This is just a beautiful and sterling example of authentic Christianity being practiced. Of course, special attention is given there in chapter, at the end of chapter 4 to this man by the name of Barnabas that we know very well. But he's certainly not the only one who is genuine and who is seeing to it that the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ are being met. This, I believe, is New Testament Christianity in its purest form. Then we come to chapter 5, which is a continuation of these same events as there are still Christians who are in need and there are still Christians who are selling their possessions in order to meet those needs. And in the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 5, we find one of the most interesting, one of the most unique, and dare I say it, one of the most frightening stories in all of the New Testament. It is the story of a husband and a wife who I would say are anything but authentic. And I want you to know that in this passage are a sobering set of thoughts for every single person who wears the name of Jesus Christ. Because in this passage there is painted for us a stark contrast between what people think they know and what God really knows. There are things that we can keep from each other. There are things that we can pretend to be. But this story illustrates powerfully that God has drawn a strict line of demarcation between authenticity and duplicity. It is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And I will invite you to read it with me beginning in verse 1. In Acts 5 and in verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. 
And he brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to him, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. Verse 6, the young men rose and they wrapped him up and they carried him out and buried him. Verse 7, then after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Peter said to her, How is it? How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Verse 11, And great fear came upon the whole church, and upon all who heard of these things. If you keep reading in Acts chapter 5, and the verses that follow, what you read is about the impact that that event had upon the church and about, surprisingly, the growth that continued to occur in the days and the weeks and the months that followed. But, but what do we make of this story? What are we supposed to learn from the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Well, I would have you just notice, first of all, that there is a very clear premeditation on the part of Ananias and Sapphira. That there was intention. There was forethought in what they were doing and how they were going to sell this property and then what they were going to do with it. In fact, we notice that in the text there in verse 1. It says that Ananias did this with his wife's knowledge. When you drop on down, when Peter questions Sapphira about that, verse eight, or excuse me, verse 9, you've agreed together in this. There was a planning here. And the fact of the matter is, this property that was sold, it was theirs. They could do with it what they wished. It was their right to do, you know, sell it or keep it or do whatever they wanted with it. No one was compelling them. No one was forcing them to do anything with this. All people were doing, as we saw in chapter 4, is simply out of the goodness of their heart, out of their care and concern for their brothers and their sisters, they were choosing to be generous. And so no one made Ananias and Sapphira do anything. They could have done any number of things. They could have sold the property and then kept all of the proceeds. They could have sold the property and kept part of the proceeds and gave part of the proceeds. They could have sold the property and then maybe just given away all of the proceeds. They could have even done none of the above. That was their right. And in verse 4, I think that's what Peter alludes to. What's the problem here? The problem here is that Ananias and Sapphira had cooked up this plan that they were going to bring X amount of money to the apostles and they were going to communicate to people deceptively that, hey, this is everything that we got from the sale of this land. That this is really, really sacrificial. Do you see that there? They wanted people to think that they had given more, that they had done a greater deed than what was actually done. In fact, I kind of often wonder if maybe they had seen Barnabas and they had observed Barnabas in his generosity and in his authenticity and they thought to themselves, 
We want to look like him. We want people to think that we are just like that guy. I mean, that guy is a superstar Christian. We want people to think of us in the same way they think of Barnabas. I want to say one more time. It wasn't wrong that they wanted to give only part of the proceeds. What's wrong is that they wanted to deceive others into thinking that they were something that they really were not. Does everybody see that? In the church... In the church, there are essentially two groups of people. I think there are basically two kinds of Christians. There are the people, first of all, who want to serve God. They genuinely want to do that. It is what their life is all about. Everything that they do in their life is ordered around that desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It is something in their heart to do. It is something that they think about in their mind constantly. It is something that they harness their, their energies and their talents and their resources toward. It is something that hurts them whenever things in the church and things in the kingdom are amiss and are not right. These are authentic Christians. And they are definitely cut from the Barnabas mold. Then on the other hand, you have people who want to look like Barnabas. People who want to look like they serve God. And I am suggesting to you this morning, that's it. It's one of those two. Either you want to serve the Lord, or you want to look like you are serving the Lord. And who are these people? Well, these are the people who make appearances. These are the people who put on a face. These are the people who have a front. These are the people who pretend to be something when they are here... But then when they leave here, when they leave the company of believers, when they leave the company of the assembly of God's people, they become something else. These are the people who seem to be one way with, with you and with me in these circles. But then when they leave these circles, you really wouldn't even tell them apart from the rest of the people out in the world. Can I tell you the kicker about all of that? Thinking about there's, there's two groups of people in the church. you got people who are authentic. And you got people who are duplicitous. Can I tell you something about that? It is nearly impossible to tell them apart just by looking at the outside. Think about that. Do you think anybody knew that Ananias and Sapphira were liars and fakes? I mean, from outward appearances to the naked eye, they seem to be very religious. They seem to be super devoted, super sacrificial Christians. Look at them. They've given so much. Had Peter not been endowed with supernatural knowledge of the Spirit, no one would have known any different. Ananias and Sapphira wanted people to think that they were serious about serving God, even if that meant acting and pretending to be something that they weren't. I'm going to suggest to you that things are no different nearly 2,000 years later. We live in a very image-obsessed society where it is much more important to seem like you're something than to actually be something. In our culture, it is style over substance every day of the week where people are most concerned with projecting an image that they want others to see. That's why people are very careful with how they present themselves publicly when they're in the crowds of certain people. That's why people are very careful with what they put out on Facebook because they want people to see the model of perfection. 
And sometimes what that means is, is that means projecting that image at any cost. Even if it means sacrificing your own personal integrity, we want other humans to look at us and to say, Wow, aren't they something? Look at him. He's so chivalrous. Look at her. She's so nice. Look at them. They're just the perfect couple. And unfortunately, Christians are not immune to that. Ananias and Sapphira show us they stand for all time as the consummate example of Christians who wanted people to think that they were something different than they really were. And you know what? A lot of Christians today are actually successful at that. We don't have apostles today to point out people's hypocrisy and people's lies. And so as a result, people are very successful at making themselves kind of be able to just be a chameleon and blend in with others. The truth of the matter is, I don't know what everybody here does in their daily lives throughout the week. I don't know what you do when you leave this place. I don't know if you go home and view pornographic material. I don't know. I don't know if you go to work and cuss like a sailor around your coworkers. I don't have a clue about that. I don't know if you and your private conversations with people joke about sin and about divorce. I don't know if you beat your children behind closed doors. I don't know what everybody's sins might be that they are struggling with and the sins that they might be overcome by. Because the fact of the matter is, we have gotten really good at this acting stuff. I said the word acting a second ago and I got to thinking about that. That is what we do. We, we're really good at acting. You know, I don't know why this is, but our culture just absolutely idolizes actors and actresses and people who do that professionally. These people get paid ridiculous sums of money to go on a screen and pretend to be something that they are not. And we, we revere them. We idolize them. We pay our money to go and watch them and to see their shows and to see their movies. People look to them and actually care what these people have to say about issues in society and in politics. Why we do that, I don't know. Some of these actors and actresses are amongst the most uneducated and ungodly people on the planet. And yet here we are. We pay. We pay people to pretend to be something that they aren't. Is it any wonder? Is it any wonder that we have a problem with image over substance in our world? These professional pretenders, they pretend for us. They pretend to be hurt. They pretend to be sad. They pretend to be angry. They pretend to be happy. They pretend to be in love. And that's just such a regular part of our lives. It's become so ingrained in our world and in our minds that I think the assumption of the average person is, is that, well, you know, everybody acts sometimes. I mean, everybody does. I mean, nobody's really, truly, totally authentic. That what you see in other people's lives, that's not really genuine. There's nobody who is 100% authentic. You know, virtually everybody does some pretending, and I'm saying to you this morning that that is cold comfort for people who have something to hide. That is cold comfort for people like Ananias and Sapphira who wanted to be seen as something that they were not. I'm sure Ananias and Sapphira were able to soothe their conscience by telling themselves, well, well, everybody pretends sometimes. 
Everybody fudges a little bit. Everybody acts like they're something that they're not sometimes. Everybody does that. In fact, maybe even Ananias and Sapphira, maybe they even thought that about Peter. I mean, let me look at Peter. I mean, that guy's not perfect. We know that. That guy's got flaws. He's done some wrong things. You know what? When he's at home, I bet he probably screams and shouts at his wife. I wouldn't really be surprised if that guy maybe even drinks a little bit on the side. You know what? It wouldn't even surprise me at all if he goes around and flirts with other women because again, everybody acts sometimes. And that is the way that our society thinks. And my fear is my fear that we as Christians, we have come to believe that in the church. That we can come here and we can just act like everything's just fine. We can put on our smiles and we can wear our nice clothes and we can just show everybody, hey, I am a model Christian. We can pretend like we've got it all together. I mean, after all, how long do we have to put this show on for? One hour, a couple of hours a week at the most? That's piece of cake. I can do that. I can put on that little act and nobody will be the wiser for it and I can then leave here and go and live and act how I really want to live. Can I just ask you something? What difference does it make? What difference does it make what other people see and what other people think when God knows the truth? He knows I may not be able to decipher whether you are a Barnabas or whether you are an Ananias or a Sapphira, but I'll tell you this, God can. God absolutely can. In Hebrews the fourth chapter and in verse 13, the Hebrew writer says there that nothing is hidden from His sight. There are no such things as locked doors or hidden closets or private messages, or incognito browsers with God. No, 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 no. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him for whom we must give an account. That is why I will just say that trying to pretend for everybody else, it is the height of stupidity. When I am more concerned with what others see and what others think about me than what God sees and what God thinks... That is folly. Jesus told His disciples in Matthew the 10th chapter and in verse 28, He said, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. That, that's what you and I need to be worried about. Don't you worry about what I think about you. Don't worry about what other people here think about you. Don't worry about what they see in you. If you can get yourself squared away with God and be right with God, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter what anybody else sees or thinks. Stop the pretending. Stop the faking. Stop thinking that you can fool everyone by putting on some little song and dance number. Ananias and Sapphira did not get away with it. In fact, neither will you. I'm reminded what Moses said in the Old Testament in Numbers 32 and in verse 23 when he said, Be sure, count on it, your sin will find you out. You can bank on that. You cannot, brothers and sisters, you cannot act like Elijah on Sunday and then live like Jezebel on Tuesday and expect to go to heaven. Your sin will find you out. And for Ananias and Sapphira, their sin found them out. And it cost them their lives. 
And I know that we kind of recoil at that, the thought that God would strike somebody dead. And we maybe even ask the question, why? Why'd that have to happen? I'm suggesting to you this morning that instead of us asking the question, why did they have to die? Maybe what we ought to ask instead is, is why do I get to live? Why am I still standing here? And the answer to that question is because God is wanting you to repent. The reason that God is long-suffering and patient with people, the reason He doesn't just drop us where we stand is because He wants people to repent. He wants you to repent. And I need you to know that that means a whole lot more than just changing your external actions, just modifying your outward behavior. That means getting to the heart of the matter. It means changing your mind. That's what repentance is. It's the change of mind that then leads to a change of action. You need to do a complete renovation of the heart so that you can truly live for the Lord authentically and you can be a genuine follower of Christ. I certainly do not want anyone to have the impression that that means somehow that you are going to be perfect. But what it does mean is it means you can take the mask off. You can drop the facade. and You can stop your pretentiousness. And what we then can do together is we can then be accountable to one another. And we can help one another. And we can then be transparent with one another so that we can help each other to get to heaven. But I'm going to say to you one more time. The Lord is not fooled by anyone's duplicity. And if you are determined to continue walking a path that Ananias and Sapphira tread so long ago, and may God have mercy on you. That's it. That's the lesson. Let's stand. Let's sing.